we're carrying on our series on the fruit of the Spirit. If you've been here the last couple of weeks since we've been doing it, you'll know what the first two fruits are. And you know I'm going to bound to be asking you because I'm very predictable in what I do. So if you've been here, or if you're a theology student in a really marvellous uh, establishment, who will know anyway, what are the first two fruits of the Spirit that we've looked at last week and the week before? Love and joy. Thank you very much. Can you remember? It's easy so far, obviously, like you say. We've got two weeks ago, we look at agape. It's God's love. We're going to give God's love irrespective of whether it's returned to us. Last week, we looked at joy, charis, grace, uh, and joy is kara. And we were saying that grace recognized is one way of defining what grace is. Yes, what joy is. Thank you. That's brilliant. Was anyone else listening then? Because I wasn't listening. That's why I said it wrong. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? I'm glad someone's listening there. So joy is grace recognized because we know that God has given us grace, life-changing grace in our lives. And it doesn't matter on our circumstances. God is with us. And so we can often feel joy because what God is doing in our lives. We've been saying over the last two weeks that if we're going to make uh, physical crops or fruit or vegetables or flowers or whatever it might be grow, we've got to put in the hours. We've got to do the sweat, the toil, the thought, the intentionality of making all these things grow because we have to tend them, we have to sow them, we have to cultivate, we have to harvest, and this all takes effort. If we're to grow in even just the two fruit of the Spirit that we've thought about so far, we have to think about it. We have to say, Lord, I know that I'm growing in so-and-so. Lord, will you help me also to grow in any fruit of the Spirit that you think is best at this time? And of course, all of us, even the true saints amongst us, are never going to be truly, fully mature in any of the fruit of the Spirit while we're living on earth. So we've all got a lot to learn. So we've had love, we've had joy. Obviously today we're looking at peace. And it's from the uh, passage that Hyunjin read to us, Mark 4, 35 to, 30, uh, 35 to verse 41. In the penultimate chapter of the Bible, it says this, God will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there'll be no more death, or sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. Now, I don't know when that's going to happen. It could be relatively soon. It could be decades, centuries away before that happens. But I really do know that billions of people around the earth today haven't got peace in their lives. The earth is not a happy place for a lot of people. We think about the Ukraine because that's on the news still a lot. And it should be, shouldn't it? We need to know what's going on. But have you thought recently about Haiti, Palestine, Ethiopia, 
Nigeria, Myanmar, Hong Kong, Kashmir, or the Yemen. There's conflicts going on in all those places. And I could have done twice as long a list as that if I'd thought about it a bit more. There's all these uh, conflicts going on around the world, every continent. There's things going on that aren't making people peaceful. Yesterday, Jill and I went to the National Memorial Arboretum, just the other side of Tamworth. And the biggest and largest memorial there is the Armed Forces Memorial. And it lists the names of everyone who's been killed in the service of our country uh, since the Second World War. Over 16,000 names are on that memorial. People that have died since the Second World War for our country. After the last person, there's a vast uh, space where there's no names written. And that's for all the people they think are going to be killed in the future. I looked it up. The space on that memorial for another 15,000 names. And remember, they're not just names, they're people. People that are not experiencing peace. And then think about the knock-on effect of their families. So, so far, from since the Second World War, there's been 16,000 people killed in terrorist acts or... Uh, people fighting in the British forces or terror or whatever it might be. But what about their families who have lived on? Perhaps not having peace because of that. But the world's got lots of other problems and it's not just war. Think about the food shortages around the world. Think about lots of people not having clean water around the world. Think about people like Samo Farah who we heard this week, was trafficked. And he came to this country from Somaliland, and we know Somaliland from our good friends, don't we? We know about that very well. But he came, and he had no, uh, no power in his life. He was just told to look after the children, do the washing up, do the cooking. How many other thousands of people are there, even in this country, that have been trafficked and have no peace in their lives, because they're not where they want to be and they have no, uh, no jurisdiction about what's going on in their lives. On a much smaller level, but still very important to the individuals concerned, we all lead busy lives and the large people in the UK get stressed for all kinds of varied reasons. I read on the NHS website that between January and March 2021, 20.2 million antidepressant drugs were were prescribed in the UK. 20.2 million. What are the people's lives like? They haven't got peace in their lives. And they want peace in their lives. Yesterday I was reading about Uh, on the BBC website about some rich people who are really rich and they've had sort of burglaries in their house. So now what they try and do, they don't just think about living rooms and uh, bedrooms and maybe cinemas if you've got uh, a lot of money. These really rich people have panic rooms built into their house because if they 
get an intruder into their house, which is fairly likely because people have got a lot of money and have got things on display and everything, they can go into this secret room where no one will find them and they can call the police or some private security firm because people want to have peace. And they're just trying to find it or trying to make it themselves have it for them and their families. People want to live in peace, but sin makes it tricky. Even for us, it can be really difficult for us to have peace in our lives because we're not immune to heartache, to failure, to disappointment. But do you know, there's some brilliant news. We're not orphans. We've not been cast aside. None of us are alone. God loves us and is with us despite of our difficulties and our trials. I'm going to read the scripture. It's brilliant. Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 3, and it's from the NLT. That's the New Living Translation. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I always love passages like that because it just makes me think that whatever we're going through, or perhaps our family, maybe a family member has died recently and it's aching and it's horrible, or maybe something else has happened in your family. Just to emphasise the when you go through deep waters, when you go through rivers of difficulty, when you walk, I'm still going to be with you, God says. Last week, when we were thinking about joy, we thought about Psalm 23, and Jill read it to us. Here's just a few verses, verses 4 and 5. Even if I go through the deepest darkness, I will not be afraid, Lord, for you are with me. Your shepherd's rod and staff protect me. You prepare a banquet for me where all my enemies can see me. You welcome me as an honoured guest and fill my cup to the brim. Sometimes people say, oh, you are half, uh, cup half full or cup half empty. God's neither. He fills our cup to the brim, even when we're in the presence of our enemies, God loves us. God is with us. God is saying, I am here. I am with you. I love you. In spite of our difficulties. Let's quickly look about that word peace then. Peace, the Greek word, erone. And it's from ero, to join, to tie together into a whole. So in a way, peace is when all the essential parts of our lives are tied together. It feels great because you know how you sort of have things left undone from one day to the next. You kind of think about it a bit, or at least I do. I don't know if you do. But when everything is sewn up, you're just thinking, oh, that was a good day at work. I've done well. You feel peaceful, don't you? And that's what this word peace is all about. 
God sewing up everything in your life so you feel peace. And it doesn't matter if the situation you're facing is going to encounter Lance Corporal Jones from Dad's Army, where he'd say, don't panic, don't panic, as he was walking around and doing this sort of thing, wouldn't he? God says, don't panic. And he says it in a way that doesn't make us panic or get agitated. Jesus says, don't panic. I'm with you. I'm with your family where they are. I can be with you and give you peace so that even if things are going horribly wrong or even things are going well, we can experience peace that you wouldn't really normally experience. When I was a teenager, I used to use my mum's typewriter quite a lot because I would write to newspapers about my feelings on different situations in the world and what was going on around Britain as well. And I wrote quite a few letters to MPs and newspapers and things like that. And I still do periodically. So I can still remember, tick, 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 ting, next line and all of that, because I was taught at school how to write a letter. And why would you, would you be taught to do something and then not do it? So, like, you're taught two add two is four. I was going to say something else then, but <laughs> two add two is four. And so these are things that we need to know in life. And so if you're taught to write a letter, let's write some letters to people so I'd know about yours sincerely, yours faithfully, all this sort of stuff, doing paragraphs and all of that. It was, it's been the same throughout the age. Now, the way things are nowadays is different, say, from 2,000 years ago when people used to write letters then because we've got quite a few letters in the New Testament, haven't we? Paul wrote lots of letters to people. And we think we've got 13 letters that he wrote to churches or to people uh, while he was still alive. Now, of course, he wrote his name at the beginning because that wasn't... We don't do that now. We put our name at the end. Lots of love, John. Or thanks so much, John, or whatever it might be. But then they'd put their name at at the beginning and probably some important point afterwards. I don't know if you've noticed, I didn't find this out till this week. And I just thought, my goodness, it's, it's not too little a thing. It's not too big a thing, should I say, to say it's changed my life a little bit. It really has. So you can be thinking, oh, this is something good that's coming up. Paul wrote something at the beginning of his letters, every one of them. Any ideas what it might be? For the record, so people here who, uh, aren't, who, who aren't here but want to listen on the website, several people gave great answers, and my wife, who wasn't preordained to know this answer, but she certainly does, said, grace and peace to you, grace and peace to you. He says that at the beginning of all his letters. How important is that then, if he said it? Caris? The words we know. And if you're wanting to think, oh, I don't believe that, here are all the references. So on the website tomorrow, you'll be able to see this because all the scripts are always on our website. So if you're thinking, nah, it's yeah, he really did because he thought it was really important. If we're going to say to people about God's love and everything, 
then it's such a good thing to pray, Lord, let your grace and your peace be on people. So, how's it changed me? My prayer life. I pray for lots of people in lots of different ways, but it's reminded me again of something significant that I can pray about. Lord, Tanya, Lord, let your grace and peace be in her life this week. In abundance. Not just in a little bit. Remember, God's cup is full to the brim. So, in Jeff's life, Lord, let there be grace and peace. Your grace and peace in his life, in the thing he faces this week. Suddenly, praying for people gets a lot easier again, doesn't it? Because sometimes, I don't know about you, I look at my prayer cards with uh, sort of people's faces on it, and I think, Lord, what can I pray about them today? Lord, grace and peace. Help me to pray, pray grace and peace in their lives. But sometimes, our lives can be easy, and we pray it, and we mean it, but sometimes it can be very difficult indeed, the things we're facing at home. And maybe no one here knows about it because we've just kept quiet about it. Or maybe one or two people sort of know. There was this lawyer in Chicago in the 1870s, and he went through an awful time. He wrote a hymn. But let me tell you about him first. He was a Christian and a lawyer, but his four-year-old son died. And then there was the great fire of Chicago, where a large part of Chicago was destroyed by a fire. 1871, I think that was. He lost a lot of money because he'd invested money in lots of property. And it had gone up in flames. Then in 1873, he sent his wife and daughters ahead of him because they were going to go and help D.L. Moody, a great sort of evangelist, to do some evangelism in this country. So he sent them on a ship and said, I'll be there in a few days after you. I've just got to tie up a few things. Unfortunately, you might know that the ship, his daughters, four daughters and his wife were on, hit another ship in the Atlantic. And his four daughters drowned. His wife was okay. Can you imagine getting that sort of telegram? Several years earlier, his four-year-old son had died. A couple of years earlier... A lot of his money had just disintegrated because of this great fire in Chicago. And now his four daughters had died as well. What did he say? What did he do as he was going over the Atlantic in a boat? He wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. By my soul. And now we have a hymn like that, that we can re uh, read and sing and, and ponder about. But he went through agony. And yet he still said, Lord, your peace is in my life. My family 
is depleted. But I trust in you. I need your peace in my life because without it, I'm done for. I can't control my emotions, perhaps. Life can be like that sometimes, can't it? Sometimes I go on walks around in Eton, in the fields, the few fields we've got left, and I go on walks around. And uh, years ago, I'd have my OS map with me because I didn't want to get lost. So I'd have it open and the right way up. And I'd be looking and thinking, oh, yeah, I know where we are. There's a mark and there's, there's the field and everything. And sometimes I'd still end up getting lost or we'd get lost a little bit just because it kind of happened. So along with technology, I sort of got myself an Ordnance Survey app on my phone. So now when I'm in a field, I know exactly where I am. And if I turn round, the arrow turns round as well. So I know exactly where I'm going. And that's so helpful because then you know where you are. But also on the ground, often you'll see one of these. And that's so wonderful when you're just walking along a field or along a pathway and you're just thinking, oh, great, chat, 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 chat. There's another way marker. I know I'm going the right way. Everything's brilliant. And it can be like that in our lives, can't it? Everything's going well. We've got a routine. We're listening to God. We feel blessed. Oh, there's two ways I could go. That's a bit tricky. Oh, I'd like to marry Shen. She's great. Shall I ask her to marry me? Xiong Jin might have thought a few months ago, not me. All right, I'm, I'm happily married. But Xiong Jin might have said that a year ago or something and just thinking, I really like her. Or it might be that something else has happened in, in a good way. You've got the opening to go and do some study somewhere. Or you might be thinking, oh, my family uh, lives somewhere else. Maybe I'll go and live near them. Or it might be something quite negative, like an, an illness, which gives us another way to go. Life can be tricky sometimes. And sometimes if we've got the one route we can have peace about where we're going. But if we've got two routes or more sometimes that are open to us, that can be very difficult. And we might be saying, oh Lord, where, which way shall I go? I don't know. But I've come to the conclusion that God's will for my life isn't like a tightrope. It's not, I must go this way, and if I just go off a little bit, things are going to get very tricky. I know that if I'm following God, listening to him, regularly spending time with him and with other Christians, if there's another route, then God can say, go either way. I'm going to give you peace both ways. Sometimes it's an either or rather than you must go one way. And so maybe some of us are just thinking about, oh, I'm not sure what life entails. What's life all about? What am I doing? And there might be several paths you could go. And if the Lord isn't sort of saying one more than the other, then just go with how you're feeling is good after talking to friends, maybe. The important thing is, just like it says on the front of the onward today, God, my future is in your hands. And it's much easier to see when you've got it a copy on your own screen or a paper copy. And that just reminds me of that reading 
that Hyunjin read this morning to us. Jesus says, peace, be still. And in this psalm, stand silent, know that I am God. I will be honoured by every nation in the world. Be still and know. But maybe in your situation today, Jesus is saying, peace, be still. Or other versions say, that's enough. Be still. Quiet, be still. Silence, shut up. God might be saying that to all the situations we face. Jesus was in the boat. He was asleep in the stern. Remember, the stern is the back of the boat. And Jesus was there, and he was just asleep. He had peace, despite all these waves and the tossing. And remember, quite a few of Jesus' disciples in the boat were fishermen, but they were scared. It must have been some big storm. And yet Jesus was asleep, because... Jesus is the Prince of Peace. But more than that, I think sometimes Jesus brings us peace. But sometimes if we are doing wrong things, things that aren't good for us or for other people, Jesus can be the king of the nudges as well and just say, go on, go that way. That's the way to go. I want to nudge you into doing this for that person, to showing love, to showing respect to other people. It talks there about Acts 16, 6 to 10. And if you remember, that's where uh, uh, Paul was saying to God, oh, where should we go? And these different ideas he brought to God. And God said, no, don't go this way. And then this person in a vision, the man of Macedonia, said, come to Macedonia, we need help. And so that's where they went. But what happened to them? We talked about it briefly last week, if you were here. In Macedonia, is the city of Philippi, where they were sort of hurt with rods and put in stocks. So God said, go that way, and brought them peace and joy, despite of the things that they had to go through. So we thought about peace, and Jesus can say, be still in your situation. But as we go through our lives, I want us to think about one thing especially. Let's lift our eyes to Jesus as we go through our lives. Easy lives sometimes, difficult sometimes. Because there's a prayer, and we say it every time in an evening service, near the end of the service. Number 6, 24 to 26, and this is from the International Standard Version, this one. May the Lord bless you and guard you. May the Lord's face enlighten you and bestow favour on you. May the Lord turn to face you, lavishing peace on you. So that's what I pray for all of us. Grace and peace, yes. But may the Lord lavish peace on you, filled and full and overflowing to the, over the brim of peace in your life. So no matter what you're facing, you can still say, the Lord is with me. There is this peace that mankind knows nothing about. Man wants to make panic rooms to get away from intruders. God is with me, and he's lavishing peace in my life.
So I'm going to pray, and then Fiona will help us respond to some of these things. So Lord, we do thank you for the peace that you give and the nudges that you give as well. Lord, whatever situations we're facing today and the next few weeks, and whatever situation our families and friends are facing as well, may we know your peace and know you are with us, Lord. Amen.